Hello and welcome to the Hype Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Safa Alchami, and stick around while I discuss mindset hacks and self-development advice that will assist you in unlocking your true potential. Hello and welcome. I hope you guys are doing absolutely amazing on this fine Monday. I know for a fact that you guys are going to absolutely love this episode because I've spoken about it so openly on my TikTok and my Instagram feed. And every single day, people come to me with this specific issue. So buckle up because the content that I'm about to share with you is going to be hella amazing and hella helpful. I'm going to help you understand what you do and what you don't do so well. Why do I say that? Because what I'm speaking about today is, of course, anxiety and overthinking. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. I have a whole heap of content for you. So I want to get it started. Anxiety. What is anxiety? In order for us to actually understand how we do it and how we do it so well, we're going to understand first why we do it and what is anxiety in the first place. Now, the definition of anxiety actually ranges from person to person, uh, therapist to therapist, but this is actually the textbook information that the definition of anxiety is. Anxiety is described as a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease with an uncertain outcome. Anxiety is actually the body's response to a threat or perceived threat. Keyword, perceived threat. Why? Why is it a perceived threat? Because the brain is going to release these hormones that then travel through the blood and the adrenal glands, but it interferes with actually your quality of life. So keyword perception of threat because everything that you may worry about is a perceived threat it's actually not a threat now if you were right in front of a tiger or a lion you're gonna put your stick your finger out or your hand in his whole mouth now that's a threat if you're standing on a cliff about to jump off that's a threat if you're standing in front of a car about to get hit that's a threat but why is it keyword perceived threat Because you actually allow your brain to think it is actually a threat. That's why it's a perceived threat. So the short-term symptoms of anxiety are dizziness, panic attacks, indigestion, pain, fatigue, rapid breathing, and increased heart rate. Yes, that may mean that you may feel nauseous. Yes, it also may mean that you have panic attacks and anxiety attacks. But what's important that I'm going to tell you that is different to what you may hear in a textbook or on the internet or by a therapist, is anxiety is actually a verb. Yeah, I know, it's a freaking verb. It is a doing word. Anxiety is something that you do. You do it so damn well, let me tell you that. If you've ever had anxiety or you have chronic anxiety, you do anxiety so damn well. I know, what I say is really controversial and that's why it's so different. What you do is you do anxiety. How do you do it? And I'm going to explain to you soon, okay? Anxiety is a verb. So when someone comes into my office that is dealing with anxiety or has anxiety, they say to me, I have anxiety. I'm like, you do anxiety. She's like, no, 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 I have anxiety. No, no, you do anxiety. What do you mean? Well, anxiety is actually caused by your thoughts. And then your thoughts give the green light to cause the fight and flight response in the body. So anxiety is something that you do. But how do you do it? Anxiety is actually fueled by overthinking. Now, if I take say for example, the petrol in the car and the anxiety is actually the car, what's going to fuel the car? Petrol. But let's say the overthinking is the petrol and the anxiety is the car. 
You cannot go anywhere with the anxiety if the fuel is not there. So anxiety is the fuel to overthinking. That means you need to identify what is real and what is a perceived threat. Because in your imagination, you don't know how to differentiate between two. In your mind, you're still thinking that it is a threat and you're going to die beyond reasonable doubt. And this is what you do so well. In your mind, you have convinced yourself that this is the way of life. This is how it's at. This is what you have to deal with. And yeah, okay, it started as a conscious habit. But if you are doing anxiety on a consistent basis, then that means that you have created a habit and a behavior out of the overthinking and anxiety. And we got to break that habit subconsciously and consciously. With the fight and flight response, if the anxiety is fueled by the overthinking, how are we going to kill the anxiety? Well, we target the overthinking first. The overthinking is the intrusive thoughts, the identification of who you are, your purpose, learning how to do a risk assessment, like a real life risk assessment on what you're thinking. Yeah, you're going to learn how to challenge those thoughts. There is no other way. There is no faster way to the finish line. I will also say this, and I say this to a lot of people that come through my, my, my office every single week. I see hundreds of people. The idea is not to be 100% better. The idea of anything is not to be 100% better immediately. Your job is just to be 1% better in order for you to attain eventually the 100%. So now we're nearing the end of the year, for example. How are we going to make sure 2023 is going to be different to our 2022? Well, we've got to identify what we want to achieve first. And if one of your achievements is to get over your damn anxiety, then this is 1% better. Listening to this podcast is 1% better. If you take 1% better every single day over a course of a year, at the end of the year, you'll be 365% better. The idea is not to be 100% better immediately. It takes you time for you to eventually get there. And the idea is slowly getting there at a pace that feels right for you. Okay? Idea. Progress. Not perfection. So, with the anxiety, okay, let's talk about the intrusive thoughts of the overthinking. You're going to learn. You're going to have to learn to challenge the validity, the evidence. Differentiate between feeling and fact. So, if you have social anxiety... That means you don't hold uncertainty very well. And uncertainty is other people, okay? Other people are uncertain to you. That means you want to know every single thing that this person is thinking. So you assume that you know. And it's never a good thing because that's what you've taught yourself. It's always a negative one. So if you have social anxiety and you go to the shopping center or do grocery shopping, you think, but not beyond reasonable doubt, everyone is looking at you. But that's not true. You feel, keyword, feel like everyone is looking at you. But when you look around, no one's looking at you. Maybe one or two people out of the 100 people around you. The idea is to differentiate between the feeling and the fact. If you feel like someone doesn't like you, well, where's the evidence? What is the evidence behind it? You need to give me factual evidence. Has this person told you beyond reasonable doubt I don't like you? Okay, if they do, then we'll deal with it then. Has this person actually came up to you and say, you know what, I don't like you. Then you would know that is a fact. But if you're assuming that these people do not like you and have never met you before, 
That is a feeling. That is not fact. That is not factual evidence. So you are creating these unevidence-based assumptions when they do not serve you. You're going to have to figure out what your risk assessment is. Is this a real threat? Does it matter if people are looking at you? Are you going to die if someone's looking at you? No, you just don't like it. Okay, but you're not going to die, are you? No, okay. Even if they are looking at you, what happens from them looking at you? It happens, especially after COVID. I see a lot of people with social anxiety and they assume that people are looking out for them and they get overstimulated. They're trying to like be observant and all this stuff around this grocery. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Okay. And it's not serving you. Is it useful? Is it valuable? And can I control it? So if you want to go on a holiday and your fee is flying or your fee is getting sick in a different country, how do we figure out what is valid and what is true? Beyond reasonable doubt, you want to go on this holiday. Beyond reasonable doubt, you want to go on this holiday. You know you want to go on this holiday because that's your end goal. You want to make memories with your family. You want to have something to look back on. You want to have some photos with your kids. Your, whatever your case may be, it is valid, okay? But if you're worried that you're going to get sick in a different country, well, you can't really control that, can you? Can you control if you get sick in a different country? I mean, you can be prepared. You can have travel insurance. You're going to get medications. Depending on what country you are, you can get your immunizations and your vaccinations against that. That will give you a better chance. But in the end, you cannot control whether or not you get sick or not. I went overseas about three months ago in August. Four months ago, I went to, I went to Bali. We've been there many times. I think it was my, our fourth time with our family. Third, three times with my kids, once by me and my husband. And I took out travel insurance. I got gastro stop. I got Nurofen, Panadol, you name it. I got it in my medicine bag. You name it, I got it. I was prepared. But I still got barley belly there. I was really sick for three days. Now I finished, like I helped myself obviously with my medication that I took. I took the gastro stop. I took the stomach, the buscapan for stomach cramps. I did it all. But in the end, I still needed to see a doctor so that way they can give me antibiotics. Seeing the doctor, had antibiotics, fine and dandy. So if you go on a holiday, is your responsibility to actually figure out what's the closest doctors, is the closest hospitals, just in case. Because you choose to be prepared and over-prepared rather than under-prepared. And even if something does go wrong, it is not in your control. You got to roll with the punches because life sucker punches you. And sometimes you got to be flexy, sexy. You got to be flexy, sexy. You can't be rigid. Okay. This is what life is about. You got to be flexible as much as you can be. The more flexible you are, the more easy everything becomes because life can sucker punch you and it will. It depends on how prepared you are to adapt to the sucker punch. So challenging it, challenging your thought. Is it a useful thought? Well, no, it's not a useful thought if you think that you're going to get sick. Is it valuable? No, it's not valuable if I think that I'm going to get sick beyond reasonable doubt. And can I control it? Yeah, well, I can't control the outcome, but I can be prepared for it. Okay. Now, another big scenario that my clients come to me is I get anxiety when I go pick up the kids. It's overstimulated, right? The kids are coming into the car. I get overstimulated sometimes. Kids are coming in the car. Everyone's screaming over each other. Everyone wants to tell you about their day. Be prepared. This is what I do, and I hope this helps you. I grab some snacks for them and me. I get everyone a water bottle. I get everyone their tablets. So the 10 to 15 minutes drive home is understimulating. Preparation. 
I don't get overwhelmed with the idea of being overwhelmed. I prepare for that. So that way, instead of being overwhelmed during that time, I can control whatever I can and prepare for it. Whatever you're scared of, can you control it? Now, beyond reasonable doubt, you're going to have to pick up your kids from school. Same thing with a holiday. You give yourself another choice. But can you control how you feel? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let me tell you right now. You can control everything that you do. Everything inside you, you can control. Everything outside of you, you cannot control. So saying that you can't control your anxiety, I mean, you may feel like that, but you can definitely control your anxiety and overthinking. Three common questions or phrases that I hear in my office is, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, you know what? It actually feels that way sometimes. It may feel, okay, word, feel like it comes out of nowhere. It may feel like it just hits you, but guess what? It actually doesn't just hit you. When you do anxiety and overthinking so well, you don't know how to do the poor risk, like the risk assessment or whether or not something is helpful, valuable, factual evidence, feeling. You don't know how to do that just yet. Okay, it's a skill. It just hits me. What hits me? Well, it doesn't hit you if flying out of a car. Something doesn't just fucking hit you. You do it to yourself. You start thinking and it's like a spiral. It is a spiral of being out of control. Okay, and anything that is out of your comfort zone is bad and you want to stay and you want to avoid being outside of your comfort zone well you can't live your life in the comfort zone because I actually thought about this this morning actually when I was taking my kids to school I'm currently 30 years old I'm in season 30 of my musalsal or telenovela or series or show I'm in season 30 but the secrets and the realizations And the identifications and the drama that happens in season 30 is going to be different to stuff that I found out at season 20. Yeah. Think about whatever season you are in your telenovela or musalsal. Every single season, you're learning new things about these characters. And the character is actually you. There are people who hurt you, who you learned from. People who left you, who you learned to let go. People who didn't see eye to eye. So that way you can figure out what you really stand for. There is a whole heap of things that you can learn from every single season. So comparing your season 30 to someone's season 20, is it helpful? Absolutely not. Comparing your season 30 to your season 29 is completely different. You're going to learn a whole heap of different lessons. Every single time you are growing, adapting, changing, learning, like learning inspiration, meeting new people, letting go of old people, What once served you no longer serves you, and that's okay. That is the lesson of life. Every single ounce of betrayal, every single ounce of understanding, every challenge, adversity, pushback, pull forward, healing journey, information, every single thing was meant to attain, is meant for you to take in so that way you can learn it. I've said this before on some of my podcasts, my clients are my biggest inspirations. Let me explain to you why. My clients are real people. They're not a computer. They're real people. So their problems become the reason why I do these podcasts, why I create content. Because where there's one, there's many. And if I see hundreds of people on a weekly basis, that actually means, and I see a regular pattern in these clients. Every single week, it's different. If I see a regular pattern, it's like, okay, well, I need to tailor fit my theory my therapy to this person. That is the difference between 
going and getting a therapist that is one size fits all and coming to me. Every single thing is tailor fit to you. You're not going to get the same amount of rules or same amount of steps or same amount of hypnosis someone else when you come and see me because I tailor fit it to you because you're an individual. But my clients are my biggest inspiration because they actually fuel what I'm going to teach, what I'm going to talk about. So you are my biggest inspiration just as much as I inspire you. Back to what I'm going to say. Even though anxiety is a response, there are actually pillars that hold up the behavior because anxiety is a behavior and a habit. So let's unpack that. You have an avoidant coping style. It means you thrive to avoid anything that makes you feel uneasy equals your comfort zone. So anything outside of your comfort zone is bad. For some people, their comfort zone is their home. For some people, their comfort zone is outside of their home. For some people, their comfort zone is their car. Some people, their comfort zone is mental. I coached people to build online businesses for a very long time. Some people's comfort zone where they just wanted to be an employee for the rest of their life. They wanted more, but they were scared of the unknown. And you want to know what I always told them? Well, to have something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. Okay? And Confucius once said, the person that says he can and the person that says he can't are usually both right. So there are going to be times where you need to overcome your nafs. The inner jihad is the biggest jihad of all. And jihad means fight, war, inner war. You're fighting against your nafs, your intrusive thoughts. And that is the biggest, biggest war sometimes in a lot of us. We're fighting against our uh, intuition, our deen, what we know to be right, our behaviors, our values. We're fighting against so many different things and we don't know how to simplify it. So the first pillar in anxiety is an avoidant coping style, okay? Second one, fear of the unknown. Anything that is unknown means it's out of control and anything that is out of your control, you don't like. So to keep yourself in control, you overthink about every single outcome and every single possibility and every single phrase and what you should have said and what you shouldn't have said. I'm talking about shower thoughts here. Have you ever come across like an argument hours later? You're like, shit, I should have said that. Shit, I should have said that. Well, you, some people actually do it during. So to keep you in control, you send your mind out of control with these negative thoughts because you have a habit of thinking of the negative expectancy of the future. That's the third one. Negative expectancy for the future then sends your body out of control. So the first one is an avoidant coping style. Second one is the fear of the unknown. Third one is negative expectancy for the future because you've created such this amazing negative expectancy for the future. You expect everything in the future is bad, but you can think back to a time where something that you didn't know worked out to your benefit. I remember when I first gave birth to my first son, when literally I'm about to give birth to him, I looked at the doctor and I started screaming, crying. I go, I'm so scared. I was terrified of being a mom. And I can openly say that. I was terrified of being a mom because that was the unknown. Let's be honest here. I didn't really have the greatest upbringing. I had narcissistic parents and a parent that was like with domestic violence and and all. I was terrified because that was the unknown for me. I had anxiety attack literally before I gave birth to him. But I realized instead of thinking about what's going to happen next year, next month. So next month, next year, 10 years from now, take each day as it comes. Get used to saying we will cross that boundary when we get there, I'm going to park it because it's no longer serving me, okay? When you have a poor risk assessment, you need to be able to identify, is it valid? Is there factual evidence against it? Can you control it? Can you not? And is it a feeling or is it a fact? Do you know beyond reasonable doubt that you're going to get sick on this holiday? Do you know beyond reasonable doubt that these people are looking at you and thinking bad about you? 
do you know beyond reasonable doubt that your kids are going to start punching and kicking each other? Yeah, it might have happened in the future, but you actually don't know. So it might have happened in the past, but you just don't know. You believe it in your imagination. And in your imagination, you should be right. I mean, you have a great imagination, but you use it for the wrong things. Anyone who runs anxiety does anxiety so well because you believe it in your imagination. And to you, it is right. And because it is right, that's why you send your body into a frenzy. Next one is ineffective compartmentalization. You don't know how to park a thought and move on. So after you figure it out, is it valid? Is there evidence? Is it a feeling? Is it a fact? Can I control it? Can I not? Can I be prepared for it? It no longer serves me, so I'm going to park it and drive off. It doesn't serve me. With the content that I just shared, I know this podcast went a little bit longer than usual, but so be it. With what I just shared, my goal is to show you that you hold the true potential to your own life. Anything outside of you, you cannot control. So if you're dealing with something, you're doing something. You do it to yourself. I know it's a big slap in the face. I can give you a massive like that right now. You do it to yourself. No one else does it for you. The feelings just come to me. No, you think of those thoughts because you've created a habit subconsciously. That means the habits are actually automatic. That means it's in your subconscious. That means when a habit is automatic, it is subconscious. So that means you have to consciously change the habits to change your subconscious. So that means you need to actually learn how to argue with these thoughts and challenge the validity of them. Is it a feeling? Is it a fact? Can I control it? Can I not? Is it worth me worrying about? No, not really. We can park it and move the fuck on, right? That's why when people come to me, the language that they use is what I pay attention. I listen to your story, but what I'm listening for is your language. Language that you use is actually subconscious. Everything that you say is subconscious. I have anxiety. No, you do anxiety. No, I have it. No, no, you do it. I remember telling my coach, I naturally am overwhelmed. And he said to me, you're not naturally overwhelmed. You might do it well, but you're not naturally overwhelmed. And that was kind of like, and I said that subconsciously. I've never said it again since. I get overwhelmed and I know what to do now sometimes, but I no longer say I'm naturally overwhelmed. That's why sub, uh, hypnosis dives into the subconscious. So not everyone needs logic and talk, talk therapy. That's why I'm so different to other therapists. Other therapists, bless them, some people do need talk therapy. Some people do need a rant. I'm all for that, okay? Talk therapy is what you can logically come across. What can you, you can logically understand and explain. So anxiety for me at first was just a feeling. No, anxiety is a response. That's what I know now. So hypnosis dives into the subconscious, but talk therapy is logic. That's why you got to pay attention to not all therapists offer the same things. You got to figure out what's right for you. Before I go... It is important to understand if the response is within you, you can change it. You may need a little bit of help, but still, you can still change it. Instead of asking why you do it, because I just explained to you why you do it, get used to understanding how. How do I do it? What thoughts do I feel? How can I stop these thoughts? How valid are they? Not why, how. Even when you're doing a panic attack, your body changes. So when you're doing a panic attack, your chest is hunched over. You're making yourself feel as small as possible. That means it creates a restricted breathing in your chest. So you're going to start breathing really profusely, really shallow. (laughs) That is where the anxiety attack starts. And you're not breathing deeply either. It's not why, it's how. How are you doing it? 
And that's how you undo it. There's good news and there's bad news, okay? The bad news is you do it to yourself. But the good news is you also do it to yourself. So if you do it to yourself, you can learn how to undo it to yourself as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this podcast episode helped you in any way, please share it on your socials. You can find me on IG, Safa Alchami. TikTok, The Alchami Life. And you can book to work with me personally through my website, thehypecoach.com. I look forward to working with you. Let's grow.